Lord Jesus, it is because of our love for you that we come here tonight, Lord. We want to be formed more into your likeness. So I pray as we open up the Holy Scriptures that you would speak to us. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. So a member of our parish council sent me a website uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Joel, are you here? Joel Nichols? Yeah, great. So Joel sent this website to me. It's a website called weareallcriminals.com. And on the website at the top, it says one in four people in the U.S. have a criminal record. One in four. Which is, that's a statistic which is striking enough. But then it goes on to say four in four have a criminal history. Four in four have a criminal history. Their point is that everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has blunders that are a part of their history. But only a few get caught. (laughs) And so on this website, it tells many stories of people who both have been caught, and then it tells stories anonymously of people who have not been caught. And there's some interesting examples in that latter category of people not getting caught. One is of a woman who uh, smuggled things. Uh, When she was backpacking throughout Asia, a man approached her and said, I have this suitcase, please don't open it, but I will pay for the remainder of your trip if you carry it from here to there. She's like, okay, I'll do that. And then for the rest of her life, she's always wondered, what was in that suitcase? (laughs) You know, and even worse, what would have happened if the authorities would have caught me? And then another uh, is a man who shares that when he was a teenager, he would speed down the highway at 130 miles per hour. And then as an adult, is just reflecting on how reckless that was and the lives that he put in danger when he did that. Another says that he used to help pre-med students write their entrance exams, which I'm not quite sure how that would work. But he ends his story by saying, I'm sorry if your doctor is a little rusty when it comes to the liberal arts. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So there's more and more stories of this, stories of theft, stories of breaking and entering, stories of uh, possession of illegal substances. And perhaps even as I've shared these things, you yourself might have memories that have come to mind. You might be sitting there thinking, man, I've got a couple of things that if people in this room knew about that, oh, the reaction, it would be terrible. Well, the Bible says that no one is righteous, not even one. All of us carry something within our heart that we don't want others to see. And we exert a lot of energy in our lives trying to cover those things up, trying to hide those things, trying to make sure that those things do not come into the light, but they remain tucked away, hidden in the darkness. And I think the pandemic has exacerbated a lot of these, shall we just say, bad habits. So a few examples to bring to mind, that come to mind our partiality and pride. I'm not doing the pan, or I'm doing the pandemic right, and all those other people are doing it wrong. Perhaps you've even had that thought as you've walked into this room and looked around. Or what about wrath? Has any of you become, I don't know, more angry over the last couple of years? <laughs> or maybe you haven't given in to anger. Uh, maybe it's more cynicism and apathy, thinking nothing that I can do could surely could make a difference, so why should I even try? Or how about gluttony? Did you know that here in America, alcohol consumption has gone up by about 30% in the country during the pandemic? 
or envy as we spend more time looking at our screens and other people's lives on social media. Perhaps you found yourself thinking, oh, if I only had that house. Oh, if I could only go on that vacation. Why do I have to have this life? Why can't I have that life and be more like that person? Now, you could just say these are petty struggles. But the truth of the matter is these things will corrode away at our souls and eventually destroy us. The word for this that the Bible gives is sin. And while these things might feel good for a short while, they eventually give root to bitterness or resentment or hatred or malice or even acts of violence. These things are things that we seek so hard to hide. It, depart, or it causes us separation from one another, and it also forms a barrier between us and God. So my question tonight is, what do you do with that? What do you do with those things that haunt you in your sleep, those things that nag your conscience, those things that uh, cause you to be in so much turmoil? What do you do with those things? How do you cope? How do you process it? How do you deal with it? Because I think as we survey all of the solutions that our society gives us, those things still don't go away. Maybe you distract yourself. Maybe you have one of those pocket glass windows that's marked by a, a fruit with a bite taken out of it, and that is your portal into another world. Maybe you deny that the guilt even exists within you and you, you try to manage yourself and manage your own image by, by producing an online marketing campaign that, that tells everyone around you, I'm fine, everything is fine. Or maybe you surround yourself with friends who celebrate those same bad habits that you have, therefore normalizing its effects. So how do you deal with the darkness? Well, tonight is Ash Wednesday, and this begins the 40-day journey towards Easter. And Lent is like a spiritual soul checkup. I had a mentor uh, earlier in my life who would always look me straight in the eyes and point at me and say, how is your soul, brother? And it was terrifying. I felt like he actually could look into my soul and that caused me to want to run away. But this is a season in which we look at our hungers, we look at our desires, we look at what motivates our soul. We ask ourselves, you know, what do we struggle with? What are we addicted to? What sin is lurking within us? Now, Lent, perhaps this is your first time, perhaps this is your 101st time to journey on Lent. In fact, I'm just curious. Well, never mind. I'm not going to ask people to raise their hands. Last last year, uh, I was just so encouraged to hear so many people say, this is the first time that I've gone through Lent. Uh, If I had to guess, I would say it's maybe a third of the room, perhaps. But there are two ditches on this Lenten journey that we could fall into. So one ditch that we could fall into is a proud elitism. You know, think to ourselves, ah, you know, I'm not in one of those other Christian traditions anymore that totally neglects this. Now I'm in a, you know, this, the, the great tradition, you know, that celebrates Lent. You know, there's this elitism that comes with it. And then there's also ways in which you can sort of show these things off to prove to others that you're more pious or holy than others. Jesus in Matthew's gospel speaks very directly to this. He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. When you give, do not be like the hypocrites, he says. Do not be like those who do their good deeds with loud announcements and large, among large crowds. And it's so easy for us to fall into that ditch of proud elitism. I'm not like those other Christians. 
Look how holy I am. Another ditch that we might fall into is that of self-loathing. Yes, we confess our sins during this season. Yes, we beg and ask for God's mercy. Yes, we acknowledge our hunger for the Lord, but the Lord has no interest in rubbing our noses in it. As you walk the path of Lent, take care not to fall into either of those ditches. Do you remember that story of the woman at the well? In fact, if you were to go out into the narthex, which is a fancy word for hallway behind the the sanctuary, uh, there's a big wooden carving of Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. And it's one of my beautiful, or it's one of the the most beautiful gifts that uh, the previous congregation left for us. So at some point, you know, go and check that out. But there, Jesus meets this woman. He goes to uh, Samaria. He goes to a place that is unclean for Jews, and he speaks to this woman. They start having a conversation. At one point, he says to her, go and get your husband. She says, I have no husband. Her brokenness and her shame comes immediately now to the front and the center of the conversation. And what does Jesus say to her? He doesn't say, oh my, now that's news to me. Oh my goodness, I need to, I've got somewhere I need to be right now. You are, you are so dirty. No, he says, I know. He says, you've had five husbands. And the one that you are with right now is not your husband. He brings sin to the light, but he says to her, I see you, I know you, and I desire to bring salvation to you. I desire to bring to you freedom and healing and pure worship and joy. And she leaves from there and she goes and she tells others in her village who all come and want to meet Jesus. She's so excited to meet, to introduce others to Jesus. You see, this is not a season of self-loathing, or um, the other end of it, elitism. Jesus wants to see our salvation. This is a season that is a realistic assessment of our mortal flesh. So in a few moments, uh, my wife Molly and I are going to invite you to come forward and receive the sign of the cross on your forehead in the form of ashes. Ashes are the great leveler of us all. From the clay of the earth, God formed us. It's where we come from. And one day, our bodies, all of us, from the richest to the poorest, all of us will return to the ground. We will decompose. And once again, our bodies will become dust. Remember that you are dust. To dust you shall return. But that ash is in the shape of a cross reminding us that when we stand before God, we stand not because of anything that we have done or earned or achieved or any of our merits. We stand because we have been claimed by Jesus Christ himself. The same sign of the cross. Just last week, we had baptisms here in this room. And after the little ones were um, baptized in water, we made the sign of the cross on their foreheads with oil. Again, symbolizing you are claimed by Christ. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. And again, that is the same reminder that we receive tonight. So let us journey towards the cross of Christ together during this season of Lent. Let us journey to the cross upon which hung the world's salvation. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you humbled yourself, you clothed yourself in flesh and walked among us sharing our pain, sharing our sorrow, Lord, but not succumbing to sin. You are the perfect one, the holy one, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you for coming and being with us, Lord. May you form us more into your likeness that we might reflect your glory. Lord, search our hearts, reveal our sin, fill us with your spirit, and show us your Father. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen.